From the Salvation Army, welcome to Wonderful Words of Life. Welcome back to all of our listeners, and I want to say a special welcome to the Salvation Army's territorial headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia, where we are recording this episode for what we think is the first time live. Give yourselves a hand, everybody. That's a good energy, and we will use that for this episode. I'm excited to share a new host with you. This is my friend going back so many years and our Territorial Youth Secretary. Uh, this is Major Cheryl Gillum. Welcome her, everybody. Yeah, thank you, Bernie. Cheryl and her husband oversee the youth work in the Salvation Army's Southeastern United States, which serves 15 of the southeastern states and the District of Columbia. It's a pretty big responsibility, but Cheryl, officially, welcome. We're glad that you're here. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> Thanks. We're excited because this series, uh, Captains Rob and Heather Dolby are talking about the least of these, and you're going to get to hear from them a little later. They ask a question about how we as the church are caring for the marginalized people in our society. How do you feel about that? Right, so I think it's a great opportunity as we, um, you know, listen together and as we join in to, to hear about what they have to say. You know, they're going to be concentrating specifically over the next few weeks on uh, the cost of ministry, counting the cost of ministry, and what that looks like. And they're going to unpack it a little bit. And, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. Mm. That's a deep statement. When we think about the disciples or those 12 men that we know now we're following around the, the savior of all mankind, uh, it's kind of daunting to think what part would we play in discipleship or what character would we, who, would traits would we take on? Um, you and your husband have uh, surrendered to the idea of officership in the Salvation Army and that's a calling that you've accepted. I wonder if you can talk to us about some of the um, ministry that you've seen or the opportunities you've had to practice discipleship. Right. And, and specifically in relationship to counting the cost, I mean, that looks different. Yeah. Uh, it has many different facets, right? I mean, you count the cost as you give up your time, uh, your energy uh, to, to different situations and to most importantly people. Um, and there are great successes in yeah. that, right? And great yeah. rewards here on earth. And we know our rewards are not all on earth. Um, because there also are very difficult situations that you walk, um, walk in and you begin to count the cost of your ministry in that. And I just, it brings back to memory one, um, in one appointment that we had, a gentleman who came through our, our rehabilitation program. And, um, you know, he went through the whole program and it was a great success in his life. Uh, he, he had accepted the Lord Jesus as his personal Savior, and he was, he was walking in the victory of that. And he was great when it, he was surrounded with community. Mm. Um, he was a shining star. He'd walk into uh, any room, and you could just see you know, the transformation that had taken place. And uh, we even employed him uh, in, in our um, uh, rehabilitation program at one point. And um, there just came a point where we started seeing just things slipping. He, he started kind of... Uh, um, not coming into community and not not attending different meetings and 
And uh, we kind of got the sense that he was probably using again. And um, it was a very difficult situation just because, you know, in that particular circumstance, our community was so tight and we had poured so much into him, right? And so we're trying to bring him back, speaking words of life into him and just trying to get him on the right path. And um, unfortunately, in his circumstance, uh, it, it it really didn't, it didn't take. Yeah. And uh, one day as my husband and I were getting ready to, to fly out of town, we, we heard that he had uh, overdosed mm. and, uh, and died. And I can just remember in that moment, um, the, the emotion that flooded me as I was in the airport, yeah. just, uh, just thinking about the fact that I loved him. Yeah. Like he wasn't, he wasn't uh, um, a stat. He wasn't just a number on a piece of paper. You know, he had a name. I knew his name, and yeah. I was involved in his life. And um, so just, you know, that was counting the cost yeah. at that point because I, I could have honestly just kind of said, well, I'm kind of done with this. I, I can't invest myself into people and have this heartbreak. But that's not what Christ calls us to. Amen. I'm, I love the fact that you had an opportunity to invest to maybe even show someone how to fish in a sense. To, you, you introduced them to Jesus. You gave them opportunities. But surely there's also some, some examples of success as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, another example is, is someone in one of our uh, appointments that came through a different kind of a, a program. And, uh, you know, he started bringing his family and his children and, uh, you know, now is running one of those programs and his family Amen. is fully involved in the core and, you know, uh, going strong on fire for Jesus. And Amen. so absolutely, you see the good and the, and the not so good. Well, Cheryl, we are fortunate today to have uh, someone with us who's going to speak to us about how his life was transformed because of the people that God put in his path who were willing to bear the cost.
It is really cool to hear that music live, and we're grateful for Transmission for joining us this morning. Give them one more hand, everybody. That's a song that comes to us from a guy named Randy Bonifield, and it's going to be featured on the new Transmission album. So keep your ears to the ground, because I'm sure that you will have an opportunity to buy that real soon. Well, now it's time for our guests. I want you to welcome all the way from Anderson, South Carolina, Rashad Poole. Welcome, man. We're so glad that you are here. Now, you've come all the way from Anderson for our listeners around the world. That's about two hours north of Atlanta. Correct. And you're wearing a funny thing today. This is a, a uniform, but your epaulets are blue. They are. That means you're a soldier or a member of the Salvation Army Church. Yes. And uh, we want to get to know you a little bit. Yeah. And I think Cheryl might have some questions. Yeah, so... Welcome. We're Thank so you. glad you're Thank with you us. I just me. met uh, Rashad yesterday, and man, I love your spirit. Thank you. Awesome. So we're we're want to just hear about a little bit more about you. Can you yes. tell us about yourself? And you are an employee of the Salvation Army right now. For sure. So yeah. could you tell us about your position and what you do? So I'm a BFI in Anderson, South Carolina. Um, I've been there the last two and a half years, where I've had the amazing opportunity to focus in ministry for street homelessness, um, for young adult ministries, and at-risk youth ministry, like in our Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, the BFI program here in the South is what we call our Blood and Fire Initiative. Uh, we have to, we are the kings of acronyms. We know yeah. how to do acronyms <laughs> in the Salvation Army. Amen? Amen. Uh, but Rashad, you came through, here's another acronym for you, our ARC program, or yes. our Adult Rehabilitation Center program. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I found the ARC um, through God and honestly, just the power of surrender. Um, in 2015, um, I was at my lowest. I was homeless, um, addicted in the streets of Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I, found my, I found myself waking up in a hospital bed. Um, and I can remember nurses and doctors, they were standing all around me. And one of the doctors looked at me with such sincerity and like pain in his eyes. And he said, son, you're lucky to be alive right now. And so over the next few days, as I began to detox and I sat and laid in the hospital room, I had a lot of time to just evaluate my life, right? Evaluate the choices and things that I had made. And I told God, I said, God, I'm done. I'm done doing it on my own. Um, have your way, Lord, I fully surrender because obviously what I'm doing is not working. And so um, that led me, uh, my last day in detox, I can remember getting up and I went over to a water fountain. I didn't know where I was going to go. I was kind of scared because um, I knew once I detoxed out, I was just going to be on the street again. And I got up, went to the water fountain, and I looked on the wall and it said the Salvation Army Adult Rehabilitation Center. And I called them and they were like, sure, come on in. So I packed my bags, didn't know what was in store for me, right? Um, so I came in the front door and immediately I felt at home. I felt welcomed. I felt accepted. Um, even for the things, you know, that I was ashamed of in my past, I was accepted there. Yeah. Well, listen, we, we, you know, God uses people yeah. to minister his grace to other people. Mm. We know this. So can you just expand on some of the people who God has placed in your life 
to minister to you during this time of recovery and yeah. moving into ministry? There has been such amazing people that have just came around me mm -hmm. as I joined in this community. Um, but I want to pinpoint um, Lieutenant Chris Paycheck today. Um, at the time, he was Cadet Chris Paycheck. Um, and every week in the ARC, the cadets would come over and they would um, do AA group meetings at our facility. And there was something in Chris that I just saw. It radiated through him um, and it would draw people to him. So finally, one day I got the courage enough up to go to him and I said, Chris, I want what you have, man. I said, I need a recovery sponsor. And he was willing to do that. He looked at me and I can remember the words that came out of his mouth. He was like, Rashad, this is going to be hard, but this is a life or death battle. And he really coached, coached me through this. And I mean, he's a beautiful guy with a beautiful spirit and he invests so much into me. So yeah. So just like Chris spoken to your mm -hmm. life because of his journey, I know that God has something very special to, for you in speaking into others' lives as yes. well for what you've been through. Thank you. Chris uh, is a pretty cool kid. He's a, and he's a great hugger as well. But I happen to know that the administrators while you were there were pretty cool people too. Do you remember who they were? Yes, Major Steve and Donna Justice. Amazing, amazing people. And like when I work, walked into the ARC doors, um, Major Steve and Donna, they, they welcomed me with open arms. I didn't walk through the doors as a beneficiary. I walked into a family. Um, and I remember like anytime I ever doubted myself or I was struggling or I had questions um, in my recovery or my spiritual walk, I could always go sit down with Major Steve in his office and he would always lay it out to me. Um, he would always pray, pray with me and encourage me. And Major Donna, yes, her hugs <laughs> are amazing. And she would look at me with a smile on her face. And every time I would hug her, she would pull me tight. And then she would look at me and say, you're a trophy. Amen. You're a trophy of God's grace. Amen. And that has stuck with me yeah. Yeah, to this day. Now, from that program, you decide to become a soldier or a member of the Salvation Army. Tell us a little bit about that journey. So, yeah. So, I, um, it's a, a weird journey, right? But <laughs> yes. um, I uh, had the privilege of attending a Bible conference at Lake Junaluska yeah. in 2015. Um, the, the week was entitled Holiness. And, you know, living in the world that I was in, I really didn't know what holiness meant, right? And living a life to holiness to God. So, that week, as we focused in on that theme, um, God really started to peel back some layers in me and was calling me to something deeper, right? And so that last day at Bible conference, the Lord was tugging at my heart. And finally I said, okay, Lord, I give in. And so I went down to the altar and, and I can remember falling on my knees and just weeping and saying, God, I know you have something for me. I know you have called my, called me to do something for you in the ministry, right? And I, <laughs> that day, um, God spoke directly to me and said, Rashad, this is what I have for you. This is what I want you to be. I wasn't even a soldier at the time, but I have, was called um, to be a Salvation Army officer. And wow. along the way, along the way, God, I doubted myself, um, but God kept reassuring me that um, his promises come true, right? Just remain faithful and continue to surrender to me. Man. Yeah. That is an incredible story. And Rashad, we need to pray for you. Yes. We, we want to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. Amen, audience out Thank there. You. Uh, God has got so much in store for you. Thank and you. He's going to continue to equip you 
for the ministry that is still ahead. Thank you. Uh, we're going to go on to the next part of this segment, but I want you to know that you are a trophy of God's grace. Thank you. And the experiences that you've been given are going to be used to encourage others to persevere. The race is not done. Amen. 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 It's overwhelming just to sit and hear someone's story and yeah. realize that we get to serve every day yeah, and we partner do. with a God who's calling us to walk with people sometimes in really hard places. Yeah. But we get to see the beauty in the midst of that. Uh, salvation is free and discipleship will cost you everything. Yes. Uh, as we look at Mark chapter 5, Jesus finds himself crossing the lake into a new region. And he does. Right away he has an encounter with this demon-possessed man. Now, not just any run-of-the-mill demon-possessed man, but someone who literally, the town where he was living, uh, got to the point where they had to try and just like chain him up, but he would actually break right. out of these chains. Yes. Uh, he couldn't even stay in town, uh, rejected by his family, couldn't even be around people. So uh, the scripture says that he just hung out in a cemetery, in a graveyard, sitting around, cutting himself, uh, just absolutely given over to this torment. Uh, and he encounters Jesus as Jesus comes across the lake. And the first thing he says to Jesus is, Jesus, son of man, what are you going to do with me? What are you going to do with me, Jesus? See, I really love the way you set that up because when I first read that story, all my focus was on the guy and all the stuff going on in his life. And even in ministry, like when we are serving the least of these, our focus can often be on all the stuff they have going on in their life and all the madness and all the wildness and all the stuff that is unhealthy and dysfunctional. And um, that can be overwhelming. But where Jesus starts is something that's just so beautiful and it's just the gospel because when he encounters that man he just says hey what's your name what's your name right right and actually it says in that place because we look at that scripture sometimes that maybe jesus is like angry exerting his authority over the issues in this guy's life the torment in his life right but actually scripture says jesus dealt with the torment in that moment and then asks him his name and I, I think what, what that shows us is that Jesus, as this all-knowing, all-powerful God, he knew everything that was already going on when the guy got there, right? He knew everything about that guy's life. He didn't start telling him about all the things that had gone wrong, all the terrible choices he had made, all the havoc he had wreaked in that community that caused them to push him to the edges and the fringes. But he starts with who that man is as a child of God. Right. He doesn't just see a man sitting there cutting himself, lost, depressed. Right. Defeated in the graveyard, he sees the capacity of that person. That's right. It reminds me of our friend Marnie. Ah, I love Marnie. Yeah, Marnie uh, literally is the person in the town where we serve that mm -hmm. is literally out on the street, uh, right. running around in great torment, struggling with mental Everybody illness. Everybody knows her. She's right. like that, that wild and dysfunctional lady sure, that literally. nobody wants around. Um, because you never know what she's going to do with danger to herself and others, even at times. Right. The police are actually coming to the Salvation Army saying, you got to help us with, with this lady. We don't know what to do. Right. 
Um, but one of the things that I think we can take from the story um, that reminds me just of what Jesus was dealing with in scripture is this idea of what it means to be a disciple is we're following Jesus, not just because we're curious or we're like, oh, what's he going to do next? But because as a disciple, we want to be like Jesus, right? And so in this situation, when Jesus shows up um, um, with this demon possessed man and all this stuff goes down. So like he ends up casting the demons into this herd of pigs and then the pigs like they just run off the side of a cliff and fall into the water which is a big deal because that was livelihood that well, was they're the pig farmers yes that's right like that was like their savings that was their 401k running off the side of the cliff so dude is like i gotta go back to town and tell everybody about this right and they all come out to see what is happening and it's chaos and it's this guy at the center of it again because you know that guy he didn't just end up down by the caves in the cemetery overnight in chains i'm sure the people of that town had no been knowing him been dealing with him and they were at the end of what they were willing to pay and then jesus takes it one step further and there goes the pig sure it was like major uh, cheryl i mean when we invest in people there's there's a cost to be paid there is a cost but i i think about this as we follow jesus in the days here and now. You know, the temptation for those people was to um, look at this man who all of a sudden was in his right mind, clothes, sitting around the campfire, having a little cup of coffee and some hummus with the disciples. And what they're remembering is everything he had ever done. And Jesus is showing them who he really is in the kingdom of God. And what do they say? The cost was too high. They said, Jesus, you gotta go. Like, we can't, we can't deal with this. And I think um, for us here and now, like we can see people with our eyes, our human eyes. And what the world says is, you know, once an addict, always an addict. Once a this, always a that. Um, and there's no hope for them. But that's the pattern of the world. And scripture says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so when we say in that Dietrich Bonhoeffer quote, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. That discipleship for us, that following Jesus is that as we care for the least of these, will we be transformed in our thinking to see people as Jesus sees them? Right. Well, and that doesn't have to look like uh, a supernatural encounter every time. I think it can start yeah. with just saying, Hey, I'm Rob. I'm Heather. Yeah. What's your name? Yes. It can start like that. And as we care for the least of these, we give them a gift when we see them as Jesus sees them. It's a gift to give somebody like a holy do-over and be for them the Marnies, the Rashads, the Robs, the Heathers, like a safe place to start again. Right, where a someone can place. hold you close and say, I see you and, and you're a trophy. Welcome home. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, Robin Heather, we are grateful for your passion, for the call that you've accepted in your own lives, and the unique ability that you have to just come alongside people where they are, literally primitive salvationists. I pray that God will continue to use you to continue to bless others. And that is the end of our first live episode that we can remember. Thank you so much for joining us. To our listeners, 
out there around the world, we pray that uh, you too have heard something that might have been a blessing to you. And if that's the case, if you've heard something or uh, maybe God's just touched your heart in a way that you'd like someone to pray for you, reach out to us. Contact us at radio at uss.salvationarmy.org and we will do our level best to stay in touch with you and continue to encourage you. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. The Salvation Army's mission, doing the most good, means helping people with material and spiritual needs. You become a part of this mission every time you give to the Salvation Army. Visit SalvationArmyUSA.org to offer your support. And we would love to hear from you. Email us at radio at uss.salvationarmy.org. Call 1-800-229-9965 or write us at P.O. Box 29972, Atlanta, Georgia, 30359. When you contact us, we'll send you our gift for this series. It's totally free for listeners like you, one per household, while supplies last. You can also subscribe to our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast store and be sure to give us a rating. Just search for Wonderful Words of Life. Follow us on social media for the latest episodes, extended interviews, and more. And if you don't have a church home, we invite you to visit your local Salvation Army Worship Center. They'll be glad to see you. This is Bernie Dake inviting you to join us next time for the Salvation Army's Wonderful Words of Life.